This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Have you voted yet? I have to say, it was one of the few times I was very happy to see a lineup. There was a bit of a festive atmosphere there, and I am sure that most of our listeners will be voting. Having said that, since it is Election Day, we are not going to talk about the Ontario election. We are turning our attention to another level of government. And the G7 is set to start in Charlevoix tomorrow, and it is sure to be a testy one. It comes after the U.S. levied new tariffs on Canadian steel and aluminum, as well as other tariffs on products from the European Union. Trump's top economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, is downplaying the notion that this is causing a major fight. He is referring to it, calling it instead a family quarrel. He also brushed off reports about a testy phone call between Justin Trudeau and Donald Trump. And much is being made about one of the reported exchanges between the two. According to CNN, when Trudeau pressed Trump to explain how he could use national security as the justification for the tariffs on Canada, the president reportedly replied, didn't you guys burn down the White House? Well, I've heard a lot of commentary about how this reference to the War of 1812 was inaccurate since it was the British troops who attacked the White House. I personally think it was kind of a joke. And actually, we were all British then, weren't we? And actually, my recollection is that uh, some Canadians have celebrated that episode in, of course, an ironic and satiric way. Do you remember this song by the group Three Dead Trolls in a Baggie? Instead, we went to Washington and burned down all his stuff in the White House. Burn, 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 and we're the ones that did it. It burned, 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 while the president ran and cried. It burned, burned, burned. Okay, well, here to parse whether that was a joke and how it was taken and other more important questions, public affairs analyst and political commentator, Michael Tobe. Hi, Michael. Hey, Libby. I must say, that's the, uh, it's been a long time since I've heard that song. Thank you very much for putting it on. I remember when it first ran. Man, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. It's, it's kind of a fun song. It is. They were actually, they were a great comedy group. I think most people have actually forgot them, but yeah, it, it's a great song. I think it's a nice intro, too. Well, you know what? And uh, when it comes to that thing about the War of 1812, just to be off topic, uh, my husband and I were in New Orleans for New Year's, yeah. and they, it, we were in a museum, and uh, it featured their take on the War of 1812 and the, uh, the famous song on the American uh, side, which, which has the uh, British... Canadian troops, you know, uh, mm -hmm. running from the bushes and they ran from the brambles. And so uh, yeah. It, yeah, that side is alive and well there, I must say. 
Absolutely. Look, you know, it, it, you're right. This has been a very strange couple of days, shall we say, because it's still being discussed today. And, it, you know, I think there's a lot of actually fascinating components to this discussion in the sense that, well, who leaked out the information that this discussion happened in the first place? Who leaked out the information that Trump talked about the War of 1812? But what has been a little bit more interesting, at least for me anyway, as someone who has studied politics and history for many, many years, and has actually written about the War of 1812 and even reviewed books on it, um, it's kind of fascinating to sort of see, at least in my impression, how people seem to ignore an interesting component of it, which is not that Donald Trump said it correctly. He actually didn't. But what he actually said was not completely wrong either. Well, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that he would even have been aware of this, frankly. Well, I'm sure, you know what, look, I, I don't think he's a great student of history, but someone may have told him about it, and maybe it was just sort of said in passing, everyone had a good laugh about it, and he threw it out. But, you know, it, it is interesting. I, you know, obviously we don't want to sort of go through the whole history of War, the war of 1812 and what happened when Wash, the White House was burned down, but I think what is interesting is the interpretation now that has come from a lot of people over 200 years since it happened, because that actually happened in 1814. Yeah. And it's, it's astonishing to me that people don't really see how Canada, not and, not and I should say Canada in quotation marks, wasn't involved. Because you have to look at it this way, and people may, may parse me a little bit about it, but this is the way I've always looked at it, and this is the way I was taught many years ago about it. As we know, there was no Canada in 1814. Canada did not become a country until 1867. However, nascent Canada, the early form of Canada, did exist at that point. If you look at your history books, there was an upper Canada and there was a lower Canada. Yes, we were British subjects, no question about it, but there were, our Canadian ancestors were definitely there. So right, when, and that, that, that attack, I believe, came from the garrison in Kingston, and I remember right. seeing the recreations in Kingston when we had the commemorations, the 200-year anniversary. So uh, I thought that was a pretty uh, weird way to explain it, but we should probably move on to uh, slightly more uh, uh, modern considerations. Sure, certainly. So uh, how testy is this going to be? And, you know, we, we seem to be at the beginning of a trade war. Uh, do you think that our prime minister is handling it the right way? Well, we are in the middle of a trade war. There's no question about it. I mean, obviously, the Americans have levied uh, tariffs, uh, 10% on all aluminum products and uh, 25% on all steel products, whereas Canada came back after that tariff uh, structure was put in place by the United States and President Donald Trump, and Justin Trudeau and Christia Freeland, during their press conference, basically did a dollar-to-dollar value of tariffs back at the United States, which came out to roughly 12.8 billion U.S., if my memory serves correct, or roughly that's what it was at the time it was declared, which is about 16.6 billion Canadian, which includes things like clothing and yogurt and things that really don't have much to do with aluminum or steel, but it was the only way Canada could justify putting tariffs on to sort of get that value back. Um, are the Canadians handling it well? In my opinion, no, but I, I don't think anyone has handled this brilliantly. I really had hoped that Donald Trump, like he had done a few months ago when he decided not to put tariffs on Canada and Mexico, I thought he was going to hold it all the way through until at least some determination about the North American Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA, had finally been finished and the renegotiation process was over. 
but he jumped the gun and did it early, much to a lot of people's frustration, including those who believe in the free market. So Canada retaliated because obviously they just don't want to sit there and be beaten down by the United States. But you can't win a trade war with the U.S. And ladies and gentlemen, we have to be realistic about this. Canada is a middle power. We are not a world power. We are not a world beater in the economy. We punch above our weight, which is much to our credit, but we are not a powerhouse where the United States is going to sit and shiver in fear because the Canadians have retaliated with their own set of tariffs. If anything, I think this actually could, I'm afraid, lead to the destruction or the finally the end of NAFTA itself. And I know some economists are already suggesting we should operate on that level stating that it's done, let's move on, create a bilateral trade agreement or a better one with the United States, and then build trade relationships, as my old friend and boss Stephen Harper and Mr. Trudeau, to some extent, have done with other countries, Asia, Africa, Europe, where we've done stuff with the European Union, etc. And that's actually not a bad way of doing things, but let's be realistic. In the end, in the grand scheme of things, Canada is not going to make uh, the U.S.'s knees novel by any point. They're not going to become wobbly. They are in a firm position. I mean, Donald Trump obviously knows what he has to do. And quite frankly, I don't think Justin Trudeau is doing a great job. But as I said before, not to be a broken record, I don't think either leader has handled this situation quite well. Okay, so I have a few questions uh, coming out of this. Okay. Okay, so... First of all, uh, their approach or our approach, Canada's approach, is yes. to target the states that really can be hurt Correct. by uh, retaliation and, frankly, by these tariffs in, in the first place. Yes. Is, that, is there no possibility of that turning into a winning strategy? Well, um, it, it could turn into a winning strategy for Canada in the sense that they can claim victory in that sense. I don't think it's necessarily going to make the United States any more happy. It's going to make them actually angrier. And knowing that um, U.S. President Donald Trump, no matter what you think of him, can be very volatile and sort of, you know, thinks in terms of uh, approaching things by his gut rather than sort of a, a level-headed approach on certain issues like this, including tariffs, it might be seen as a winning venture in Canada, but the United States, I think it's just going to make them more and more agitated. And especially Donald Trump, who in 2016 owes a lot, or in the 2016 presidential election, owed a lot of his success to states that were struggling, such as through the Rust Belt. Remember, those are the states that really pushed him over the top in the Electoral College. Exactly. Uh, No, I think he's going to be fuming, and I don't think it's going to make him give in. If anything, I think it'll make him dig his feet even deeper in the sand, and God knows what he'll do next. He's already basically sort of talked about it in kind of a trial balloon, saying... Canada's cost us billions and billions of dollars. You know, we'll see what comes next. God knows what comes next. <laughs> and, and so what do you think Justin Trudeau should have done? I don't know if there was much he could have done. I mean, I, obviously, I thought the better approach was, yes, to be heavily critical of the United States. Yes, to sort of push back as much as you possibly can. But at the same time, I, I still thought that the better idea, because we are the smaller trading partner, is to try to protect as much of NAFTA that you possibly can, because whatever NAFTA turns out to be, uh, if it actually does survive through this whole trade war, so to speak, it's going to be very different than what was signed in 1990, and I think we all know that. The terms and conditions will be different, and the U.S. president in charge right now is obviously it's not George H.W. Bush, who was in those days around, who 
was a free marketer for the most part and took over from the late Ronald Reagan in terms of using you know, the economic engine and, and greater access to free markets and trade liberalization as keys, basically Donald Trump looks at things as an economic nationalist. So it's gonna, he's going to look at things very, very differently that way. And I, unfortunately, you have to be realistic about it when you're dealing with the United States. This is not the Republican president of the past, where we sort of knew how to deal with them. And if there were issues, you, you could circumvent it. This is a whole, completely different political animal. They know it, obviously, that that being the Trudeau government. But I think that they've raised his ire in such a way that God knows how it's ever going to be repaired. And do you think we should be negotiating with the U.S. on a bilateral way? Justin Trudeau has said, no, uh, we are not throwing Mexico under the bus. Uh, a lot of our people in our audience think we should. What do you think? I think they should. I, I think actually Trudeau's wrong. Um, in, in the sense that, yes, it's not nice to throw another trading partner under the bus. I completely agree with that when people are saying that the Mexicans are going to have their own struggles and, and horrible dealings with the United States, especially under Donald Trump, because Trump obviously wants to build a wall with Mexico. He obviously has a lot of trouble with illegal immigration, and he would probably treat the Mexicans very different than he'll treat us, even though obviously we're in our own kind of trade war right now. On the other hand, to each their own Libby, and Canada really needs to think about its own economy first, and the Mexicans in the end ultimately have to worry about themselves. And if it comes down to it, it's not nice to say, but if that's the way Donald Trump wants to do it, yes, Justin Trudeau can reject it right now because it's early in the game, but as time goes along and if this trade war gets worse, I would certainly hope that the federal liberal government uses some common sense, if they have any, and goes on to actually form some sort of a stronger bilateral agreement with the United States, much like we had before the days of NAFTA, the old CAFTA agreement, for example. Okay, a long time ago. I want to give the numbers out again. I'm sure our listeners have some views on this. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. We are talking about the trade war we're in with the United States, how to deal with it. There's a G7 summit starting in Quebec tomorrow. Uh, Donald Trump has said he's actually even annoyed that he has to go. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he cancels at the last minute. Uh, let's yeah. hear Let's hear from Tom in Burlington. Hello, Tom. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good, I think your show is great. Thank you. You know, um, two, two things. I think most Americans don't even know what the War of 1812 was all about, and I've personally dealt with that with people that worked with the CIA, FBI, and the DEA when I was on vacation once. So as far as Donald Trump knowing what the war was. If somebody didn't tell him, he wouldn't have known anyways. And secondly, I think this uh, NAFTA, everyone getting in a kerfuffle with it, let's face it, Canada as a country and as a whole, we have more technologies and we're selling abroad and people are buying our products. And if the United States doesn't want to buy it, that's fine. Turn the valves off. No more electricity, no more oil, no more softwood. They don't even manufacture paper anymore. And if everybody remembers when Donald Trump was in getting elected, he was telling the people, 
don't tear down all the factories because one day our grandchildren will be able to look at that building and say, what was that? Well, that was a factory. What's a factory, Grandpa? Everything they have has been stolen from other countries or they import everything. And they can they sit there and belittle other countries. Turn everything off. You don't want to buy it? That's fine. We're doing great without them. Uh, okay, I'm going to let Michael respond to that. I think he might have a different view. Thanks for your call, Tom. Thank you. Okay, Michael. <laughs> well, I mean, Tom is right about one thing, and that was off the top. The War of 1812, in, in a lot of Americans' eyes, is seen as a minor battle. And so I would agree that some Americans are, are not aware of it, or if they are aware of it, they only sort of know it in passing. They so, know from the song. They ran from the bushes and they ran through the brambles. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, exactly. sorry, go ahead. If, if most people know what a bramble is. But yes, I agree <laughs> with you, absolutely. I do, you probably do too, but I don't know how many people really do anymore. But look, in the end, ultimately, if you study history, you will be acquainted with the War of 1812. But if you're not really a history buff or really excited by history, and I would put myself in that category, you probably know it in passing, but not much more. And that's probably where Donald Trump was at. But in terms of Tom's second point, which was that, you know, Canada should just go out on its own, turn off the electricity if the, if the United States doesn't want to deal with us and so forth. That's a natural reaction. Certainly, I understand his point. And he's right in the sense that, you know, if the U.S. doesn't want to deal with us, we could just basically say to heck with them and move on. But it's not quite that simple. Use the example, if you want to juxtapose, with what's going on right now in terms of uh, Britain and it's, and it's basically leaving the European Union. Now, the British government and the, and the country of Britain has a much stronger economy than we do overall, but it's not as strong as it used to be. So one of the things that had concerned a lot of people during the whole Brexit vote was, yes, I think most British people or most British residents believe their country could form other deals, even with the European Union, and could survive based on its history in terms of economic management. But is it going to be that simple a task, one, and two, do you really want to do it? If you believe that the world is now created or is run by trade blocks, global markets, and so forth, it's better to actually, in my view, trade as a block in the, ter- in the current world we live in, if you believe in globalization, or if you're going to leave that, you have to be strong enough as a country to survive on an individual basis. Canada can certainly make trade deals with other countries. We have lots of natural resources. Our technology sector is getting better. Certainly, we are a good, solid middle power, but we're not a world power. At by any means, Libby, and to believe that we can just go out our own and do everything and everything will be hunky-dory is an assumption that I would hope most people don't make. And quite frankly, it's an assumption that most of the people you elect to the various legislatures, and, and including the House of Commons, don't actually believe behind the scenes. They know that Canada has to work with others to succeed. We can't survive on our own. So what are you hoping for as we head into this summit? <laughs> Well, I think you caught one of them. I'm hoping Trump actually shows up. Cause he's okay. Yeah, because that one, I'm, you know, I think he will in the end, ultimately, and I think people will push him there. But, you know, he doesn't necessarily listen to people all the time, which, you know, has been a common point, which has been discussed and I think proven for the most part. But I think he knows that he has to show up. Um, two, it'll be a very tense period of time between Justin Trudeau and Donald Trump. They're not going to necessarily ignore each other, but the... The whole thing about Trudeau being a Trump whisperer, I think, is dead now. 
So their meetings and their bilaterals that they'll have on the side will be very difficult affairs, I'm sure. But my hope is that they're able to sort of maintain as, as pleasant a relationship as possible. And thirdly, and this is the most important one, I hope this trade war gets resolved quickly because the Canadian economy sits in the balance right now. And with the U.S. being our largest trade partner, between 75 to 80 percent of all our trade is with the U.S., we don't need this to go on for an extended period of time, Libby, because it's going to hurt us as Canadians and hurt our place in the global marketplace. Okay, Leah, let's take one more call. We have Brian in Toronto. Hi, Brian. Hi, good afternoon, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. I'm inclined to think that Donald Trump has a bullyish kind of attitude. And what we learn about bullies is when you eventually stand up to the bully, they sort of get the message. I think that's his routine here. I kind of almost echo some of Tom's sentiments. They don't want to deal with us. You know what? There are alternatives. We live in a global village. We'll find other markets. And ultimately, they're not helping themselves by destroying a relationship with us being their largest trading partner. Okay. Thanks for that. Those are my thoughts. Anyway, thank you and have a very good day. Thank you very much. Okay, well, that's uh, all the time uh, that we have for this segment. Michael, anything uh, you want to leave us with? I think the sentiment is, like, don't don't let them push us around. Yeah, I mean, you obviously don't want to be pushed around. I agree with you. But just very quickly, you obviously don't want to be a coward. You don't want to hide in the corner of the room. And I agree that Canada has to assert itself, especially when you're in the midst of a trade war. There's no question about that. It doesn't matter who's in government. You would hope that your government would stand for the Canadian people and defend our rights and as well defend our economy overall. But I think we have to be realistic about it. You know, Justin Trudeau is looking fine now, and obviously there are conservatives like former Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall, current UCP leader in Alberta Jason Kenney, who are defending him. And that's all good, good and fine. But watch those people eventually start to shift and say that, well, maybe Trudeau better start thinking about a different strategy if this trade war lasts for an extended period of time. And again, finally, you've got to be realistic about it. We are a middle power, ladies and gentlemen. There is only so much we can do to assume that we can go out in the world and that the world's going to give us all their riches and all their plunder and we're going to be even bigger and better than before. We will find ways to survive for sure. But the Canada-U.S. partnership has always been a strong one. Let's ensure that our economic relationship, no matter what it turns out to be, is positive and effective moving forward. This trade war hopefully will just be a blip on the screen. Okay. Michael Tobe, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Have a great night. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.